If you have your Bibles this morning, um, I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And this morning we're going to talk about building up through tongues and prophecy. Now I know that um, the subject of speaking in tongues can be quite controversial, but we want to just look at this thing biblically going through 1 Corinthians chapter 14 this morning. And let me just say up front that I see that there are three views which um, I believe to be erroneous when we talk about speaking in tongues. First of all, there are those who believe that speaking in tongues and in fact all the charismatic gifts and manifestations finished with the apostolic age. They were necessary to, to bring in the church, to establish the church and um, we know on the day of Pentecost, you know, they often say that, um, uh, you know, with all those visitors to Jerusalem, they were all, the apostles were speaking in tongues and the gospel was preached in all those different languages. And, and so in that apostolic age, it was necessary. But once that was the church was established, they were no longer necessary. Now, the sole scripture that is used to justify that view is in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it says, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And so what they say is that that which is perfect is the word of God. The word of God had not yet been completed. So once the word of God comes, then tongues will pass away. But also, so will prophecy. So will knowledge pass away. Now, let me just say a couple of things in response to that. First of all, um, on the day of Pentecost, Peter did not preach the gospel in tongues, as is commonly reported. He didn't speak in tongues. In fact, all the apostles were praising God in tongues. And those who were present from different parts of the world heard them praising God in their own language. And so they were all drawn to that phenomenon. And then once they gathered, then Peter preached the gospel to them in his native tongue. Can you imagine him trying to preach the gospel in 14 different languages? Because there were at least 14 different tongues that were present there, it says in the book of Acts. But no, he preached in one language, in his own language. And the second thing is this, that this verse, it says that tongues will cease and uh, knowledge will vanish away when that which is perfect is come. Now, what is that which is perfect? The, the, the response is by the traditional view is often that it's the Bible. When the Bible has come, then we don't need tongues anymore. But, you know, we need to look at things in the context. And it goes on to tell us what that is. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Very clearly, the context is teaching 
that that which is perfect is when we go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? Now we see Jesus by faith. Now we know in part by faith. But then face to face we shall see him. Amen? And so it's talking about when, when we go to be with the Lord. It's not saying that tongues will pass away when the Bible has come. Then, of course, secondly, at the other end of the scale, there are those who believe not only in speaking in tongues, but they teach that if you do not speak in tongues, you're not saved. There are some groups that teach that, and um, the basis upon which they teach that is implication. What I mean by that is this. There is no verse, not one single verse in the Scripture that says if you do not speak in tongues, you're not saved, or you must speak in tongues to be saved. There's not one verse that teaches that. But what we find is in the book of Acts is that often when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon people, when they were receiving the gospel, they spoke in tongues. And so by implication, these groups say, see, you must speak in tongues. Those spoke in tongues when the Holy Spirit comes. So if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not saved. You have not received the Holy Spirit. Now, the only thing with that argument is they're not consistent. Because, for example, in Acts chapter 8, we read that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon a group of people that were responding to the gospel. And there's no mention of them speaking in tongues. When we come to Acts chapter 19, we find another group that Paul was preaching to, about 12 people, received Christ, received the Holy Spirit, and it says that they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So if we're going to argue on implication, then we should say that not only must you speak in tongues to be saved, you must prophesy to be saved. In fact, we'll go even further. Jesus said this, These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So if it's by implication, if we've got to see all these signs to determine whether someone has believed and been saved, then they must do all those things. I would say if you try to do some of those things, the Christian population will be culled consider considerably. <laughs> I do not advise you to pick up snakes or to drink anything deadly. What Jesus is saying is that these things happen. These things will happen here and there and around the world. Amen? Through the lives of those who believe. It's not saying these are conditions for salvation. Praise God. Then there are those who teach that, yes, we believe in tongues, but it's not for everyone. Not everyone has the gift of tongues. Paul says that. Now, in response to that, we need to, need to say this, that there is a difference between speaking in tongues and the gift of tongues. And I want to talk about that, and I think that Paul speaks about that very much in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, some people who re resist tongues go even further. They say, not only is it wrong, it's of the devil. So if you speak in tongues, you're, it's a demon actually that's speaking. Now that's very dangerous to say that. 
It's okay to have a view that, that the, the gifts uh, ceased. If that's your, your belief, I, I, I'm not trying to persuade you otherwise. But please be careful about stepping further and saying that it's of the devil. Remember, Jesus was accused of a similar thing. He did wonderful things. He cast out demons and so on. So that his enemies had to explain how he was doing that if he was not of God. The only answer they could come up with, well, it's of the devil. And you remember Jesus had some stern words to say to those who attributed to the devil that which was of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And furthermore, personally, I asked for the Holy Spirit to be baptized in the Holy Spirit about well, over 40 years ago anyway. And uh, I received the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues. Now, Jesus promised me if a child asks his father for bread, he won't give him a stone. If he asks him for fish, he won't give him a serpent. And if we who are evil will give good gifts to our children, how much more will, the, will, will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for the Holy Spirit and not give a demon. Amen? Amen. Now, let's just go on then with um, uh, um, this, this uh, discussion about tongues and prophecy. The first thing I want to say is that Jesus is the first one in the New Testament that promised his people would speak in tongues. That's very clear. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. And then, of course, Paul said, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. So he gave it <laughs> a tick of approval as well. Amen. Jesus endorsed it. Paul endorsed it. In fact, when you look at the 12, or oh, sorry, the, the, the um, uh, nine charismatic gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, speaking in tongues is the only gift that is not mentioned in the Old Testament, meaning that it's a, a distinct sign of the New Testament, the New Covenant, and um, something which God has put his mark upon. Now, some people say, well, okay, I'm open. I'm open to, to that. If God wants to give me tongues, God wants to give me spiritual gifts, well, I'm open, I'm available. Actually, Paul said a little bit more than that. He said, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. It's not just a question of being open. Desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. The word desire there is the Greek word zilu, from which we get the word zealous, which means to be passionate for. So he's saying be passionate about spiritual gifts. And, and desire them, and especially that you may prophesy. Um, in the same context, he says, earnestly be passionate for the best gifts. Amen? And then back in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, even so, since you are zealous, have a strong passion for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. And so... Um, Paul not only endorsed spiritual gifts, but he encouraged us to pursue them with a passion because he saw the benefit that would come to the church 
when the Holy Spirit is allowed to build up the saints through the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Now, much of Paul's discussion in this chapter, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, um, is, is a teaching on the difference between speaking in tongues and prophecy. Okay, there's a difference. And the main difference is that tongues is given for self-edification. Amen? He who speaks in a tongue edifies who? Himself. But he who prophesies edifies who? The church. Amen. So that's the main point that Paul is making throughout this chapter. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Um, uh, you know, it's something which is given to every one of us to build ourselves up. God hasn't given a means of edification to one person, but not to the rest of the body of Christ. So in Jude, for example, we're encouraged, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. How does that work? You know, for my own experience, there are times when I'm, I'm just filled with worship towards God and, and I cannot find the words that would do justice to what is in my heart. You know, and so there's, it's almost like there's a mental blockage or limitation that does not allow the expression of what's in my heart to flow. But with speaking in tongues, you don't have to think about what you're saying. The spirit just overflows in praise and worship. Sometimes you're going through a difficult time and, and you want to pray. And again, you know, you cannot find the words to pray that really do justice to, to the burden that's in your heart. Sometimes you're facing spiritual opposition. But God allows you through, through tongues to find that release in prayer and speaking to God and to open up your heart to the Lord. And so tongues offer self-edification to build yourself up in your most holy faith, as Jude says. Amen? And uh, Paul goes on to say this, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Somebody once said to me when they learned that I spoke in tongues, you shouldn't speak in tongues. I said, well, I wasn't speaking to you. <laughs> I was speaking to God. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when they were praising God, they were worshipping God, and all those visitors in Jerusalem came around. They were astounded. Why? Well, it tells us in the book of Acts, they said, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. We hear them ascribing to God praise and worship in, 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 a, in a beautiful sound. You know, when I, when, I was, um, when I graduated from Bible school, we had a service and a special speaker who came. And during the time of worship, after he had spoken and, and uh, before we were going to be graduated, uh, there was just a time of worship and he spoke in a tongue in the microphone. And, you know, there was somebody there a Jewish person actually and he rushed to him afterwards and said you know you spoke in Hebrew the most sacred terms 
of worship to God. He said, it was amazing. He said, I was dumbfounded. He said, did you speak Hebrew? He said, I speak a word of Hebrew. But it was a tongue. And, and I'm sure you can tell me similar stories, many of you, of that kind of thing. Interestingly, that was in the UK. We moved to New Zealand years later. And years later, that same speaker came to speak in Christchurch and I went to hear him. And afterwards, I said, you know, you spoke at my graduation service. And, and I told him when it was, he said, you know what happened then? He told me this story of how he spoke in tongues and that man came forward and, and, and uh, you know, confirmed that he was speaking clearly and precisely in the Hebrew language. He said, you know, that man followed me all over the country, wanting me to do, you know, waiting, hoping that I'd do the same thing. But I never did. It was just something the Holy Spirit did on that occasion. <laughs> and the guy followed him all over England, hoping he'd hear it again. Just a sovereign thing. So he who speaks in a tongue speaks to God, is worshipping God, is praying to God, is building himself up in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men, to the church. Amen? That word edification, it actually means to build up. I'm sure you know that. It means to build up. The, the word edification actually is a, from a Latin word originally, it's from two words. The first word is, um, if I can find it here, it, it's the word Hades, and it means to build or to make. And the second word means a home. The second half of that word means a home. And a fasir, it means, sorry, let me just say that again. Hades makes, means a home, and fasir means to make. And so when somebody prophesies, it's like they're building a home. In fact, Wycliffe, John Wycliffe, in his translation of the Bible, um, when he talks about uh, God creating Eve out of the rib, that's the word he uses. He says, let me just read it to you. He says, the Lord edified the rib which he took out of Adam into a woman. He took this and built it into a woman. And so when, when we speak prophecy in, into people's lives, it's a part of building them up into what they're going to become. Amen? You know, Paul said to Timothy, um, do not neglect the gift of God which is in you, which was given to you through prophecy and the laying on of hands of the presbytery, the elders. You remember that scripture? And so that was a momentous occasion in the life of Timothy when, when he was released into ministry and there was prophecy that he took with him into his life, into his journey in ministry. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I personally have been encouraged many times in this church, in our worship time, when we have times of prophecy. And incidentally, you know, if anyone's listening and they belong to a big church where they don't have opportunity to, to prophesy. Don't, don't be critical of that because the size of the church would prohibit that. Uh, but that would normally happen in a smaller group where people are allowed to, to use the gifts that God has given to them to build up that group. Amen? 
And, and so sometimes on a Sunday morning, we have prophetic words. And I can tell you, they have been spot on. They've confirmed what I, God has given me to preach. has encouraged me to speak boldly that which God has given me, knowing that it was from God because it's a supernatural thing. And, and I know that many of you have had uh, specific words spoken into your life that have built you up in your walk. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation is the word paraklesis. Paraklesis, from which we get the word parakletos, or the comforter of the Holy Spirit. It literally means, actually, one who comes alongside to counsel. One who comes alongside to give a word in season. We don't know which way to go, and we're, 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 we're pondering our steps, and the Holy Spirit comes alongside us through the prophetic word and gives us direction. And then the other word is the word comfort, which is a, 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 a Greek word, paramutheon. It means to empathize, to come alongside uh, one in, in order to comfort with tenderness. To emphasize, to, to say, I know what you feel like. I know what you're going through. And I've come to support you and to comfort you. You say, how does the Holy Spirit know? Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus who was in all points tempted and tried like we are. Amen? And so he can come and speak comfort and encouragement to us. Now, let me reiterate what Paul is saying here. Very clearly, he's saying there is no benefit to the church, to the church in people speaking in tongues in a meeting there's no edification to the church if you're speaking in tongues without interpretation. You're building yourself up only. You don't come to church for yourself. You come for the body. Amen? See, we need to grow up. If we just keep thinking about ourselves, that's, that's staying immature. Sometimes people say, oh, I don't think I'll go to church today. I won't get much out of it. Well, wrong reason for going to church. Go to give something. Go to build up the body of Christ, to encourage, to strengthen, to impart to others. Amen? So let me say it again. When we come together, we do not speak in tongues because it is of no benefit to the church. Do it at home, is what the Bible says. Unless there's an interpretation. That's different. Now, Paul gives a, a couple of um, illustrations here. Or, or first of all, he says this, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Okay, so that's an endorsement, isn't it? I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. Why is he who prophesies greater than he who speaks in tongues? Because as I've just shared, he who speaks in tongues only builds himself up. He who prophesies builds the church up. And we've come together for the church. So he gives a couple of examples of this. First of all, he says, even things without life, whether flute or harp and musical instruments, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? Last Sunday, I had the pleasure of uh, going to um, a piano concert my daughter my granddaughter rather was involved in seven year old 
I went last year, and vast improvement in, the, in, in that one year. And uh, so, you know, grandparents are proud, aren't they, of their grandchild. I was so proud of her and just so amazed, actually. But my other granddaughter was there, and she's not even four. And when Mia had finished playing, you know, the room is full of people, Isla shouts out, can I have a go now? <laughs> and she has not had one lesson. So if she was on the piano, she'd be just like me. I wouldn't know which, what, what are these things? They're all black and white. What's the difference? I don't know. And you just crash and bang and it would be an awful sound. And, and you, the congregation, would say, how are we supposed to respond to that? There's no tune, there's no rhyme or reason to that. What's all that about? How can we get involved in that? Amen? And Paul says that's what it's like when you speak in tongues in the church. You're leaving the rest of the church out. Okay? Second point. If the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? The trumpeter, the bugler, was a very important soldier in the army because he sounded the signal that the captain or the leader was sending to the rest of the troops. Okay? But if it was unclear what he was playing, the troops are going to look at each other. Was that advance or was that retreat? Somebody else said, I think it was Smoko, actually. Let's go. <laughs> you can see, and so Paul is saying it's the same thing. What's the message? When, when there's a tongue that is given or people are speaking in tongues and there's no interpretation, what's the message? What do we get out of it? Answer, nothing. So Paul says, even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. It's okay to speak in tongues in the church as long as there is an interpretation. If there's not, then it's for your personal edification. Amen? Or if I pray... My spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Now, whenever you read that, you think, oh, we're coming to the end. No, he's only about half the way through. It's like when Paul wrote to the Philippians. He says, finally, brethren, but if you look, he's only halfway through. Okay, it's just the preacher's way of trying to encourage you. Hang in there, hang in there. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Wow, that's very clear. Going back, he's saying, if you're all speaking in tongues, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed, that word uninformed is referring to the unbeliever 
who would be in the meeting because he's a seeker or she's a seeker coming to find out more about God. Actually, the word uninformed in the Greek is the word idiot <laughs> or idiotes. <laughs> idiotes. Okay, so if, if, you, if you're talking to someone who comes to church and they say, I'm not yet a Christian, so don't say to them, oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> don't say that to them. That's not very, very nice. It just happens to be the Greek word. But what he's saying is if an unsaved person comes along and everyone's speaking in tongues, how can that person say amen to that? I'm with you on that. They can't. Amen. Then he says this, in the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Now what is that saying? Paul is saying this, that whenever God had reached out to a people, reached out, reached out, reached out, and they kept rejecting him, in the end, he would send someone to them who would speak in a language that they would not understand, saying he's rejected them. It was a, it was a sign of judgment. Now, can you imagine in this new covenant age, somebody who the Spirit of God had been stirring up, drawing to God, they came to church wanting to hear the word of God, wanting to find words of life, and all they heard was tongues. That would be tragic, wouldn't it? That would be tragic. Therefore, tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. For prophesy but prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? You just imagine that? An unbeliever goes to church and goes home. So how is church? They're just, I don't know, they're just a bunch of crazy people. Gibberish, you know, just speaking this gibberish and I didn't get anything out of it. Not going back there again. And so... Um, for the unsaved, there is, there is nothing beneficial either. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. Children place all the emphasis on the wrong things, don't they? Yeah. They get excited about things that are not really life changes. You know, the real issues in life. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. Don't put all the emphasis on speaking in tongues. However, in malice be babe, but in understanding be mature. How is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, I love this verse, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. That's church. We all come along. We don't all come to listen to one man. One person. We've all got something to share. That's why I love our open times. I, I love the fact that we're not too big, that we can't do that. We're a family and, and, and you've got something to share. You've got a time to share it and, and you can share it in this worship time. Let all things, as long as it's for edification. And I thank God we've never had to close anyone down because what they've done is destructive or anything. It's you're mature and what you bring builds up. And I encourage you to wait on God before you come to church. 
so that you've got something to share, a psalm, a reading, a, a teaching, a tongue, a, with an interpretation for edification, a revelation, and so on. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, but in each, uh, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church. How many times has Paul said this? He needed to at Corinth because it was just a free-for-all. It was crazy. It was bedlam. They were just coming along and everyone was speaking in tongues, trying to outdo one another in the flesh. Amen? Let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Okay. Now he's talking about prophecy very quickly. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. That's good. You know, I, I'm a little bit against private prophecy. Somebody gets you on the side. <laughs> Got a word for your brother. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Hang on a minute. You've got a word for me. Do you mind if I just call one or two of the elders or one or two of my brothers over here to witness this word? Because the Bible says, if you're going to speak, others are to judge. Not, not judge in a judgmental sense, but discern. Discern. We have tests. There's the, there's the Holy Spirit within us that witnesses to the Word of God. Is the Word of God. Is this go outside what the Word of God says? Amen? Don't judge, by the way, on the basis of the vessel that brings the Word. Oh, he's not very spiritual, or she's not very spiritual. God uses all of us, not because of who we are. In fact, the most carnal church in the New Testament was the church at Corinth. And Paul said to that church in chapter 1, I praise you that you, be, you came behind in no spiritual gift. In fact, they were excessive in the gifts. Amen. So don't, don't cut people out on the basis of, you know, um, where they're at spiritually. Because God can use, in fact, Paul says this, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Amen? Okay, moving on. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You know, sometimes people speak and they say, I couldn't help it. It's just the Holy Spirit made me say it and just overcame me. That's not God. God does not do that to you. He does not get you out of control. That's what the devil does. That's what the cults do. You never lose control. God will never take control away from you. And so, therefore, you know, when we speak, we have to be accountable for what we speak. Okay? The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You know, somebody once said there are, there, there are two kinds of speakers. There are those who have got something to say, and there are those who have got to say something. <laughs> Amen. No, let's, let's, you know, let's discern what's of the Spirit and what's of God. See, some people say, um, that's emotional. That was emotional. Those gifts were emotional. They may be emotional. But don't just put everything into that basket. Because God does speak to us. And uh, God does speak through many people in the church. You know, some of the most significant words of prophecy that I've had in my life that have given me direction 
have come from people you would least expect to be hearing from God. So don't, don't despise prophecies. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. But know this, that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. There are tests of prophecy. It does not bring confusion to you. You know, somebody might come and say to you, I've got a word. And uh, in this word, I just saw heaven opened and all these horses coming out with riders and the riders had dragon's heads. And as I came to earth, I saw lots of children running after them and there were rainbows all around and everyone was singing, always look on the bright side. <laughs> I hope that helps. No, it doesn't. That's confusing. What, what's it about? What does it mean? What's the meaning? If God has given you a word, what's the interpretation of that word? Speak plainly. Speak in language that I understand. Otherwise, it's just confused me. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. What's the, what's the characteristics of prophecy? To edify, to build you up, to exhort you, to come alongside, give you counsel, to comfort you when you're going through a time of sadness or grief or, 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 or oppression or whatever. Amen? Ah. Oh. More controversy. <laughs> Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And all the men said? Amen. <laughs> no! No dinner for you today. See, is Paul saying the ladies cannot prophesy? No, not at all. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Amen? Well, the lady said, Amen. When Paul was out ministering, he came to the home of Philip. He says, now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Four daughters. Every one of them prophesied. In fact, in, in this book of uh, Corinthians, if you go to chapter 11, you'll find that Paul says, um, if a woman does prophesy, she should cover her head. Now, that's another issue altogether, but he doesn't prohibit her prophesying, just saying that it should be done in a way that was uh, acceptable in that environment. Okay, closing now, finishing up. Or did the word of God come originally from you? In other words, if anyone has a problem with this, you see there are a lot of self-styled prophets that are just a law unto themselves. And sometimes they do the rounds, they go to churches and they just dump on churches. They just, you know, put like a wet blanket on, on the church of condemnation and, and guilt tripping and so on, and then just go to another church and do the same thing. And, and when you try to speak to them, they are not teachable. This is who Paul is talking to. He's, you know, he's trying to bring order in this church. 
And he's saying, okay, if you don't accept that, did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it only you that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. In other words, this is scriptural. You're not submitting to an institution. This is the word of God. Amen? And so if people wrestle with this, it really indicates a struggle in their own walk, where they're at spiritually, and, and, and where they're at in their being related and connected to the body of Christ. Can tongues go wrong? Yes, they can. Have you heard excessive tongues? Yes, I've heard it many times. In the flesh, yes. So what do we do? Do we stop speak people speaking in tongues? Well, let's answer that question with another question. Have you heard prophecy that's gone wrong? That's messed with people's lives, that's confused them, that's given them wrong direction, that's bound them and so on? Yes. So what do we do? Do we ban prophecy? Let's even go further than that. Have you heard teaching? That's wrong. Yeah. That's messed you up. That's taking you down the wrong track. Amen. So what do we do? Do you say no more teaching? No. We, 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 we regulate these things. and We teach. We give guidelines. And that's what Paul has done in this chapter. And so he finishes by saying, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, do not forbid to speak with tongues, okay, keeping in mind everything that I've said all through this chapter, the tongues is for your personal edification, not in the church unless there's an interpretation. Let all things be done decently and in order. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I trust that that was helpful, it's practical. Um, what we want to do this morning, we're going to close the meeting and uh, you're free to go downstairs for some fellowship, a cup of coffee, and uh, just hang out downstairs. If you have never spoken in tongues, if you have never um, had that, that anointing whereby you've been released to speak in tongues and you would like that, we would love to pray for you. Okay, there's no pressure. We don't pressure anybody into anything. We don't push anybody into anything. We just lay hands upon you and we pray for you. If you'd like to do that, if you'd like to have that, we'd love you to come to the front. I'm going to ask uh, Helen and the team just to come up, play something maybe very soft, very appropriate, very worshipful. And, um, but let's pray as we do that. If, if, you, if you're not coming down the front, then feel free to go downstairs and have some fellowship. I know that morning tea is already waiting for you down there. Father, we thank you today that you have given us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has been given to edify us. He's been given that we might build ourselves up through worship and through prayer and uh, just through our self-encouragement by the Holy Spirit. We thank you too that he's been given that we might prophesy to the church and bring strength and encouragement, edification, exhortation, comfort to the church. And Lord, I just pray that as a church, we will be those who are available to the Holy Spirit to work and to speak and to bless as he leads us to do so. I pray for those that are coming forward this morning, Lord, just to, to be released in that area 
They've never spoken in tongues and they would like to do that. Lord, we just pray that you would just uh, cause them to know that this is your loving gift. You would not give them anything that will be harmful, but only that which would bless them and build them up. So, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Praise God.